Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. So glad to have you back, or if it's your first time, welcome as well. Uh, We are now going through um, kind of the middle of Galatians today, and with me today, I've got Pastor Eric and Pastor Paul with me. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great. Yep. (laughs) Glad to be here. Yeah. (laughs) We... uh... We really hope this podcast is equipping people to read their Bible and understand Galatians. So um, excited to get into chapter, to wrap up chapter four today mm-hmm. with another passage that's not easy. Right. Yeah. No, I, I know as you guys were prepping, you're like, all right, we're going to take this a little, little bit slower today and a little bit more methodical. This is uh, something like a passage that they would use in seminary to test the student's <laughs> ability to you know, bring Old Testament truth into a New Testament con- context. I, I, actually, I did that with this very passage, Paul. There you go. Yeah, Galatians was the text we translated in my Greek class, and you had to write a paper on the connection between this story from Genesis 16 and Galatians 4. So that was, uh, you know, probably 13 years ago, but it's kind of coming back to me. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, good thing we got you two guys here, so hopefully this should make it easier. Um, All right, so where we're at, if you guys haven't been with us, we're in Galatians 4. We're going to go verses 21 through the end of the chapter, which is through 31. And as always, um, we generally read through the NIV, but you guys can pick any version. That's what version we're in today. Yeah, so we're going to read the whole chunk, uh, and then we're going to go back through the chunk verse by verse to see how all the pieces fit together. It's very much like a puzzle. I mean, there are multiple pieces, this kind of big mosaic uh, that Paul is... Uh, putting together for his listeners with things that they were very well-versed in, but they are things that we are not well-versed in. And so it's this, we got to go back, we got to go way back into biblical history, understand some pieces, and then we can put them together. Um, And remember, Paul is um, uh, challenging and criticizing those in the first century church in the region of Galatia who would say justification with God happens by obedience to laws. And so that, of course, is the backdrop for what he's about to say. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we will go back through chunk by chunk. So if as I read this, uh, you're a little I, bit confused. I didn't use the word chunk in seminary when I <laughs> yeah. talked about Scripture. Chunk by chunk. Chunk yeah. by chunk. That's yeah. Adam. Adam, did you go to seminary? That's a new I thing. I went to Bible school, but not seminary. Okay. A seminary school, but yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. So here we are in verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave of the woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren women, 
when you never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than her than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but the free woman. Wow. <laughs> oh my Adam, why don't you go ahead and just explain that for our <laughs> listeners? Holy my cow. goodness. My goodness. Wow. This yeah. is such a technical, technical section. Wow. Um, we could spend days and weeks on this, so we're going to kind of give some overarching concepts to see how this all all fits together in the mosaic. Um, Paul, anything you want to say yeah. before we just get going? Yeah, I, right there in verse 1, uh, tell me you who want to be under the law are not aware of what the law says. And so... Just as a big picture thing, under the law is the way the Apostle Paul talks about what you just said, Eric, about justification by works Mm -hmm. and by obedience to the law. That's under the law. In other words, all the law does is condemn you. It never saves you. Mm -hmm. And then that phrase that uh, you're not aware of what the law says. What the law says is that you'll never be good enough. And that you need a Savior. You need reconciliation with God that's purchased by someone else's moral record, not your own. That's mm-hmm. what the law says. Right. So yeah, that's that's what we that's sort of the entry point into this passage. Exactly. If you will. So Paul is setting it up with this rhetorical question. Okay, so you want to live according to the law, which is what they were doing. They were saying Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus mm. this, right? So he's saying, you want to live according to the law? Well, let me tell you what that means, okay? Mm-hmm. And then he takes this powerful and edgy Old Testament story, uh, and it was very edgy. I mean, this is it's an almost an R-rated story. Uh, the listeners in the first century would have been very aware of the drama um, between uh, Abraham and this this whole passage, okay? And so we're going to go back to it and sort of sum it up, because our listeners, including me, like, I don't read that story constantly, but a, mm-hmm. a, a Jewish individual in the first century would be very aware of the drama between Sarah uh, and, and Hagar and this this child Ishmael and Isaac and all that happened with them. So we got to go back and, and kind of... Um, figure out that story so we can really figure out the point Paul is making. Because Paul will use like one sentence from that narrative or quote one verse from that time. And the listener would have just brought with that one uh, one that one quotation a whole under a whole just broad range of understanding that we don't have. We hear these random one-offs and we think, what in the world? Mm-hmm. He's using those as sort of hyperlinks to the whole context. So we gotta go back, we gotta go back to Genesis to make sense of it. Um, so let's do that now, okay? So we're going to go back to Genesis 16, I think, is where you can kind of turn to see what happened here, okay? Well, I, Eric, actually, I'm not arguing with you, but let's, let's talk Genesis 15 mm, first, mm-hmm. because it does start with the promise. <laughs> right. And that promise was from God to Abraham. Abraham believed God. 
what did he believe? He believed the promise that God gave him, mm. and that was that he would make him a great nation mm-hmm. and that all nations would be blessed through him. Mm-hmm. Abraham believed that. He trusted God. Right. And mm. so that idea of being credited to him as righteousness, he was saved at that moment by grace through faith. Right. Mm. He didn't know about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Trust. It was the trust. Yes, it was the trust demonstrated in Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem, though, for Abram was uh, his wife was very old, and it didn't look like God was coming through on the promise. There you go. So you have this great moment where Abram trusts, and a bit like all of us, we mm-hmm. have moments where we trust and fail to trust, trust and then fail to trust. And so you have the promise in 15, and then here's what happens in 16, all right? Now Sarai, that's Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Okay, that's the problem for Abram. He mm-hmm. says, God made me this great promise. I don't see God coming through on it. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands, okay? This is right. what he decides to do, and this is where it's pretty edgy. Uh, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Okay, now, so Hagar is in the Galatians 4 text. So Paul is drawing this connection between a child from Sarai and a child from Hagar. One is free, Sarai, one is uh, the slave Hagar. All right. Now, the interesting part of the story is that it actually didn't start with Abraham going, hey, that's a good-looking slave girl. Let let me have a, a baby through her. It was Sarah's idea. Yeah. That's true, right? Wow. That's a good, that's a good observation, Paul. So here's what happens. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Ooh, like... I just, you just kind of wonder where God's Sarah's fault. at in this. Yeah, God is not coming through on what he said he would do. Mm-hmm. Um, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham goes, if I have to, I have to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what I got to do. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Oh, Abram, no, no, no. Yeah, not the best so idea. After Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, we don't have time to break down the drama that ensues after this, mm-hmm. um, but we could. And if you're listening to this, you should go read it, because there's a whole bunch of things that happen that are heartbreaking and, and devastating, but you see God's care, God's provision, His grace in the middle of this really poor decision that Abram and Sarai made. Paul? Yeah, I just wanted to point out that this would not be unusual, unusual right. at all in that day. You know, having mm-hmm. kids with your servant women and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's a very a polygamous type of a situation for mm-hmm. so many people. But what's so bad about it is it it shows mistrust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's bad about this. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as soon as uh, Hagar gets pregnant, Sarah starts to have a freak out. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we could fast forward. And like I said, you should go read the drama. We don't have time to cover it today. We really just need to be familiar with the story to understand Galatians 4. You fast forward a, t- a, a few chapters later. We're now in Genesis 21. Uh, and here's what happens. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. So God came through on his promise. He was always going to. Uh, what we see is this massive detour of mistrust, though, yeah. in the in the story of of Hagar and the offspring of Hagar, which would be Ishmael. The offspring of Sarah is is Isaac. The Lord did for Sarah what He had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abram gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abram circumcised him as God commanded him. Abram was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. 
That's pretty old. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abram that Sarah would, would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now, there's a whole bunch built into there uh, about Sarah's heart towards God. I mean, there was some laughter that she had early on, which the text seems to imply is just uh, her, her, I don't know, Paul. I would just Almost talk. mocking. Yeah. Because she was in trouble yeah. for that. The angels really took her to task about that. Absolutely. So now you see some redemption, I think, in the life of Sarah. But mm. he, hold on. You still have Hagar and Ishmael hanging in the wings. So what's going to happen with them? Okay, so, you know, there's some consequences to all this. So in 21 of Genesis chapter 21, the child grew and was weaned. Uh, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abram held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abram was mocking, and she said to Abram, get rid of that slave woman and her son. That's the line that Paul uses in Galatians 4. Wow. Okay? This is just, it's just incredible. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Uh, okay, Paul's picking up on the idea of inheritance as well. So the matter distressed Abram greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave woman into a nation also because he is your offspring. That nation, Paul says in Galatians 4, and this is true, would persecute Isaac's nation. Okay, mm-hmm. so now you have these, these rivalries, this tribal tension. It's just... It's just yeah, incredible. Ish- Ishmael was the beginning of the Arab nations, mm-hmm. and Israel, of course, is uh, has got Abraham as their father. And you know, Islam claims Abraham as mm-hmm. the founder of their mm. original. You know, I don't know how they would ex- exactly say it, but they would say father of faith. And mm-hmm. but they do claim Ishmael, and mm-hmm. they said, and there there lies the problem. They would say that the promise came through Ishmael. Mm. The promise didn't come wow. through Isaac. Right. Mm. And so in that sense, they have set themselves up against Israel forever. Yep. That's, that's a great uh, explanation of what we see forming here in Genesis. So Abram, uh, you know, packs them up and sends them out. And uh, it gets dark for them. I mean, they're in the desert. And God shows up in his goodness. And God is good to... Um, to Hagar, he's, he's going to be good to, to Ishmael. In that moment, uh, you see some of his goodness. And so uh, these two children, Paul says back to Galatians 4, now that we have this understanding, represent two approaches to God. Okay, so he's going back and he's saying, look, you know this story, this edgy story of uh, this sort of this competition between Hagar and, and Sarah, and they represent two approaches um, to God. And so he's in Galatians 4 now, he's bringing up these details of the story or these observations or truths from the story and sort of dividing the, the listener in the first century into the two categories. Okay, which, which way are you going to go, slave or free? And then he uses places like Jerusalem and Sinai to highlight slave or free, and he talks about all of that. So with that in mind, I think we can go back to Galatians now and kind of break it down verse by verse, with these two categories in mind, represented by these two individuals from from Genesis. Does that sound good, guys? We got mm-hmm. the backstory now a little bit. You guys are doing good for how hard this passage is. All right, <laughs> all right. So let's go back now to Galatians 4. Um, Paul has asked the rhetorical question, um, are you not aware of what the law says? Meaning if you want to go the way of law, let me tell you what that's going to mean for you. And then we get to verse 22, back in Galatians 4. 
For it is written that Abram had two sons. That's true. Okay, we just discovered that together, okay? But these two sons are not uh, experiencing life in the same way. Their statuses are very different. One's slave, one's free. That's exactly what Paul says. One by the slave woman, okay? So mm-hmm. slave woman's name was Hagar, and the other by the free woman. Okay, all right, we got that. Sarai, okay? We just read that in Genesis. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. Okay, so Paul is bringing in um, a criticism here. By the flesh, according to, basically Paul's saying sin, a mistrust. This is not what Abram should have done, but he did it. So according to the flesh. Paul? Yeah, I think that... In, in regards to salvation by works, it's all about what we can accomplish, not about what God has accomplished. And so that's the parallel here in that Abraham took things into his own hands exactly. through his own effort. He tried to you know, make the promise happen, but that's what we need to do. We need to stop relying on our own goodness and rely on the goodness of God and, and receive that promise right. from Him. And that's how the law works as a parallel. And, and that's a great point. I could see a modern-day listener today saying, well, what's the promise that He's made to me? He didn't promise me a kid. That was the promise to Abraham. What has He promised us? Justification by faith. That's right. So right. that's His promise to us. Uh, credited righteousness. And in that sense, it is, a ver- it is very similar to what he, he promised Abram, that mm-hmm. righteousness would be credited. So um, there we go. But his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. All right, so we've made it through verse 21, 22, and 23, and Paul has set up these two categories, these two representations uh, from two people about how to approach God. And of course, in Galatians, in context, the two approaches are law or grace. All right, mm-hmm. so justification by obedience or justification uh, as a gift. So that's how far we are here. Adam, are you good? You feeling comfortable? I'm, I'm loving this. This is this is great. It's all coming together because uh-huh. it's good to know that Adam's learning the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about to get harder. Okay, that's the easy part. The easy part is, yeah, I know there's two different women. So what? Okay. Yep. This yep. is where it starts to get pretty tricky. So now we're in 24. These things are being taken figuratively. Okay. Let's just make sure we get that right. right. Paul is building a case out of this historical situation, mm-hmm. figuratively. He's, yeah. he's using them as an extended metaphor. That helps us a little bit because... Mm-hmm. Um, he would have flunked hermeneutics class. Yeah, I don't want to... <laughs> At this point. I, there, I don't want to say that Paul's guilty of anything here. He is not. The Word of God is, is infallible. It's without error. So Paul is giving us a clue there to say, guys... Read this with the, um, read this with the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, f- what, what figurative language requires in your reading. Right, right. Yeah. 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 He, he's not making a direct correlation. He's using this as metaphors. Right. Yeah, I mean, he says that yeah. in the next sentence, the women represent two yeah. covenants. So he's saying, here, I'm just giving examples. Exactly. I'm not, it's not yep. a direct, you know, thing. Yep. So, so th- we have those two covenants and, um, uh, and basically, I think at this point, just to put it simple, he's saying old and new covenant. He's saying this mm-hmm. old approach to God, which is obedience to the law, and a new approach, which is by faith. Um, and he's saying they represent the two. Now, what gets really complicated next is he seems to sort of go back and forth with, okay, what's the good example and what's the bad example here? Because mm-hmm. you have, uh, we'll read it and I think it'll all come together, but you have the slave represented by Hagar, 
but he's also using it to talk about being enslaved to the systems of the Old Testament law. So he's kind of flipping this, and that's what makes it so confusing at times. He's, he's at times saying the Old Covenant was a good promise, but if you're enslaved to it, now you're like the slave, which is the negative example from Genesis 16. If, if we accept the law, the law which Moses got, Ten Commandments and the other 600-plus yeah. commands, uh, as an expression of God's character and as a gift to how people should thrive, mm. that is freedom. Mm-hmm. But if you understand the law as a means for salvation or justification, now you're under bondage. Right. And that's, I think, what he's trying to communicate. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he kind of catches the listener off guard, because the listener in the first century, the Jewish lis- listener, um, does not uh, resonate with Hagar and Ishmael. I mean, they're kind of this... Uh, they, they would not mm-hmm. want to connect with that. Right. And Paul's right. sort of drawing them in in this unique mm-hmm. way to say, you're kind of like that if you right. want to go the way of obedience mm-hmm. to the law. You're enslaved. Now, uh, Paul, you brought up Moses, and that is, of course, the hyperlink. One covenant is from Mount Sinai. That's that hyperlink there to the Mosaic mm-hmm. Law, and bears children who are to be slaves. Once again, here he's bringing in this new approach. Oh, if you want to go the way of Sinai, the way of the Mosaic Law, you will actually be a slave. And they would say, no, 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 that's the way of Sarah. That's, that's what we have to do. And he's saying, no, you will actually be enslaved if you go the way of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that's not because the law is bad. It's because our hearts could never obey it. You know, one of our favorite Tim Keller sermons is the one in which he compares and contrasts after we sin, do we go to Mount Sinai or do we go to Mount Calvary? That's right. Mm. He, he pushes that real hard. Right. And to go to Mount Sinai is just basically saying, I need to try harder. Mm-hmm. To go to Calvary is, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please change my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul in 24 says, this is Hagar. Whoa. Okay. Hagar is your mother. Okay, that's where the mother language is going to come in. Right. If you want to go the way of Sinai to find justification through obedience to the law, you will be enslaved to it. Your sin will get in the way, or flesh, and now Hagar is your mother, meaning you are a slave. Okay, oh. you're a slave kid. <laughs> Whoa. Mm-hmm. This is why I said it's so edgy. When we read it, we're like, ah, not really a big deal. I-, I don't know how to make this modern day thing, but I mean, it's this, the thing you never thought you were, you are. Like, plot twist. Yes, that it's a plot twist. Yeah. Exactly. Here comes the plot twist. All right. Well, we're not done. <laughs> okay. We're, we're <laughs> fully into the thick of it now. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. Okay. Whoa. So the city, Jerusalem, that, you know, if you live there, you thought this was Mecca, this is the kingdom, this is everything, is now actually representing a slaved, an enslaved approach to uh, law and life in general. And so he's really kind of criticizing the, the Jewish approach to justification. They're missing it in this modern-day city of Jerusalem because they're now enslaved to the law. And there. I think that that's where the temple is. And so the Apostle Paul is, is basically criticizing temple worship mm-hmm. as you, we, we now have the Holy Spirit in us. God lives in us. We're no longer tied to the temple for 
worship. Mm-hmm. We can worship in spirit and in truth. And so I think he's pushing that narrative as well. Totally. We're not stuck into that whole sacrificial system. The, the final sacrifice for our sin has been made. We don't go to the temple to offer up sacrifices anymore. That That's all there, I think, in the people's minds when they read that. Absolutely. So he's saying, okay, ancient Mount Sinai, where you got this law, is now represented in modern-day Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And by modern-day, I mean 2,000 years ago, first century. Right. Yeah, right. Now, the, the other thing that makes this so punchy is that Paul, before he was a Jesus follower, was exactly this. I mean, if there was anybody that was that was that was holding up the law, Paul tells us in his own story in Philippians, it was him. Like he loved this more than anybody, and now he's critiquing it and twisting the plot and redefining all of this. So that is just incredible. Is the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children? So. Just like people talk about Mother Russia, it's like they're using (laughs) Jerusalem as the mother, right, Mm -hmm. in all of this. That's good. Okay, so if you're in the first century and you're reading this, you are just shocked at this point because he's saying you are as if you are, it's as if you're the child of Hagar and Jerusalem is like Sinai and you are enslaved here. There's a brand new approach. Okay, verse 26, and here it comes. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. So there's a citizenship, a heavenly citizenship, so to speak, uh, a better Jerusalem, and it is from above. And um, he's now drawing that connection. There's a different type of Jerusalem, a heavenly citizenship, and this relationship is based on a promise. This is represented by Isaac. But before we get there, verse 27 is this quote. I had to look down from Isaiah 54 is, is where my my little, my Bible gives me that little footnote. Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who, who has a husband. Hmm. So Hagar was this woman who experienced just this other type of life. She was desolate, barren, just, it was, she was, I mean, she was lost in that culture, so to speak, right? She was kind of kicked out and kicked aside. And and now Paul is saying, look, look at what has come to her. Look at the grace that has come to her, the goodness and the kindness of God revealed to people who were once very far from God. That's this kind of poetic connection. So now Paul is turning to the Gentiles, to those who are outside of Jerusalem, and saying, something good has now come to you. Let me just, mm-hmm. let me just point out that in the book of Isaiah and through Isaiah the prophet, God consistently underlined that their mission or mandate as a nation was to be a light to the Gentiles. And so he used this to almost shame Israel Mm. into, hey, these people matter to me, Mm. and I Mm. want you to know that the promise belongs to them as well, Mm. in that that sense, that uh, because uh, my, you know... It's actually through Jesus Christ, you know, that uh, your seed will be a blessing to many. And Mm -hmm. of course, Jesus Christ has come from Abraham. Uh, That many include these children of of Hagar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Earlier in the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, verse 28, Paul has already said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither Mm -hmm. slave nor free. So Mm -hmm. he's really, he's just really pressing that issue here. So he's um, criticized this one approach um, to God through law-keeping, because it's really going to enslave you. 
He's talked about now those who have experienced life from the outside looking in are now included in this heavenly Jerusalem, the Jerusalem from above. Um, and then it seems like he kind of plot twists again, okay? And this is gets confusing again. So verse 28, now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Okay, so the people who were born into slavery, born on the outside, are now people on the inside because we are children of promise. Okay, so it goes back to the promise. 29, at that time, the son born according to the flesh, once again, Ishmael, persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now, but what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. So 29, that is a confusing section. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. So, Paul, that's back to what you were describing with these these cultures, right? Right. Um, he says it's the same. It's the same now. Now, this is really interesting because you got to ask yourself, in what sense? It's the same now, but it's the reverse that the people of law are attacking the people of grace. I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. I don't think it's Arabs attacking Jews. Right. He's yeah. saying, you're doing the very thing that your people hated when it was done mm, to them. There we go. That's what he thinks he's saying when mm-hmm. he says it's the same. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Oh, in this part, oh, it just makes me, it just makes me so happy. It's, it's incredible. Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. What he's saying is law-keeping people, we need to get rid of you. Okay? He's saying, get rid of the law-keeping approach to life. So you read that, and you're like, if you're not reading it carefully, you're thinking, we knew it. We should always get rid of the Gentile sinners. Like, they're the ones that are the problem. No. Okay. Yet in Genesis 16, there was some problem going on. In Genesis 21, excuse me, when it comes to, like, what needs to happen between these two kids... The slave woman was kicked out. Well, now who is Paul talking about kicking out, so to speak? The one who is trying to enslave the free. Well, that's right. Is that, you see what I'm saying? That yeah. is, mm-hmm. is incredible. They'll never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Well, who's the free woman's son? Well, based on the gospel, it's anybody who's been saved by faith. We are yep. free. All right, then he wraps up, verse 31. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. So here's the final conclusion but of the free woman. So after all, come to find out, we are children of a promise. And he's gone out of his way to bring them to that place where they have once again decided it is all by promise. It's all a gift. So that's how all these pieces come together. I hope I did a good job. That was exhausting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I think what's so crazy, you guys, you guys did do a good job, but what this just shows is how detail-oriented Paul was and how well he knew his audience and how well he knew their history, which he was a part of, you know, that that as well. Um, and he just, like, does a masterful job at just drawing different things together to help explain them very clearly, something that's emotionally tied to them that they would have yeah. an emotional reaction to. And Adam, I think that's it. a really good point. He, he, he doesn't just beat them over the head with doctrine. Mm-hmm. He paints a picture yes. and gets mm. them emotionally involved mm. in this doctrine. Yeah. And to the point where they go, well, yeah, we want to be children of the promise. Yep. And we mm-hmm. don't want to... 
these Judaizers are messing us up, man. Let's get rid of these guys. It's yeah. it's this format of preaching that Tim Keller talks about. It's yes, no, yes preaching. He mm. they they assume they're children of the promise, and he says you right. actually are, but you have to get there in a whole new way. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's what he's describing. So you know, if you're here listening, and you're thinking, what's the what's the connection for me? I I had just two quick applications. If you want to live by strict obedience to a law rather than submit to God's authority, you're, you're going to miss out. That, and that's what he's saying. You're not going to benefit from God's promise if you try to go about it through law-keeping. The inheritance is not yours, so to speak, the benefit of living inside of God's gift of grace. And then the other thing I put is, if you feel like a slave to sin, uh, God wants you to be free from it. And so I just wanted to ask this one question, guys. Maybe we wrap up with this. Someone who does feel like they're a slave to sin, they're sort of stuck in this. They feel like, man, sin has still enslaved me. How does someone experience freedom from sin? Paul, I've been going through your book, just mm-hmm. wrapping up, and you, you talk about that, but if there's a listener who feels stuck in sin mm-hmm. and they want to be free because of the promise and they've received the promise, but they still feel stuck, what would you mm-hmm. say Yeah, I, I think the discipleship material, Living FDFD, says instead of putting all your energies against sin, like mm. tr- trying harder not to sin, mm. put your energy into knowing Christ, exalting Him, developing a sense of awe, and appreciate with gladness all that He's done for you and the mm. gift that is found in Jesus Christ. The more you are, expand your knowledge and appreciation of Christ, the less you're going to sin. Mm. That's great. That's great. Awesome. We want that for our folks. And, um, you know, I think any listener in Galatians 4 uh, would have just walked away from that um, saying, oh my goodness, what joy in the gospel that I'm I'm free uh, Mm -hmm. from the the law. I've received a promise from God, and now because of His goodness, it's my pleasure to obey Him completely. That is such joy. So anyways, I hope that uh, helps our listeners, sort of equips them, and I hope... I hope that people would see the beauty in the Bible. I mean, this is an incredible uh, passage, uh, you know, complete, Paul's completely led by the Holy Spirit in the writing mm-hmm. of this, and I think it shows, because it is just so brilliant, so fascinating, so complicated, but, in, but for a, a wonderful reason. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for helping unpack that so well, and um, I hope that our listeners can take something away from that and just... Uh, understand this a little bit better as we continue through Galatians. So thank you for being here today, listeners. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.